Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Nobody's Listening to This Music Podcast podcast. I'm Andrew. And I'm Eric. And today we have a very special episode, even though it's episode 100. It is made more special by the fact that I've been teasing having my dad on for, I don't know, 80 of the episodes. Well, yeah, out of how many? <laughs> like, uh, all of them? Yeah, and he's here. Hello. Say, yeah, that's Jeff. That's Jeff Marshall. Uh... So believe it or not, anybody listening to this podcast, I'm sure that uh, you're really used to me, like, really thinking out everything in advance and, like, kind of setting a schedule and some questions. And there's really Very, nothing. Uh, what's, what's the word for, like, when you do something on purpose? Like, um, it begins with an I, I think. In- intentional? Like, you're very oh, intentional thought, with how you podcast? I thought you were going to say intelligence uh, because I have none of it. Um, yeah, yeah, that. T- <laughs> so, Dad, let's uh, let's start from the jump. What is the earliest memory you have of listening to something and going, "I really like this"? That would be Bad Company's "Desolation Angels" album. I love how quick that was. Around what year do you think that was? That re- that record is. If you had to take a wild guess, be beware. Uh, Nobody cares if you're right or wrong on this podcast. I'm 78, wrong maybe all the time. Seventy-eight, and then I—I I think it's actually the first album I owned. I think I'm—I think I'm familiar with Had an LP on that one. Yes. Yes. Uh, and you would say that probably kind of set the way for the rest of the stuff that you would listen to, much like. Uh, my earliest memory of being like, wow, I really like this is when I listened to Sum 41 on your laptop in like 2005. That was a nod for anybody listening. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm listening to uh, to Bad Company now. The Desolation Angels rock and roll fantasy is uh, spinning as we speak. Nice. My earliest memory. This checks out for me. That makes sense. So, my second album that I bought was Let It Be Rock from ACDC. A classic. Now, that's one that I know. I was going to say the first time I remember my dad introducing me to music when I was a kid, like my earliest memory of music is uh, you playing uh, People of the Sun in the house like while we were cleaning like as a kid that's crazy some 90s rage just 90s rage against the machine yeah just while while we're vacuuming moving through the time here you know really moving with the times i'm i'm just i'm giving you my my frame of reference for the first thing that my dad really like right showed me as but yeah, music. musically makes sense with yeah i dig that um I think there's a really big chunk to bite off here with just going to shows in like the 80s to like, I don't know what, early 90s probably is when you stopped because you had me. Yeah, I still saw a good amount of shows after that, though. So me and Eric for a long time have been involved in what is known as like the the DIY show scene. And I don't Mm -hmm. really... I don't really know anything about or even if there was like a small scene in like 
that time period? Like, what what was going to smaller shows like? It's kind of when, we, when a lot of those the '80s bands came out. And they, uh, I saw a lot of the smaller shows. What do you think? You've been to the living room in Providence. I haven't. I never went. I think that was before our time. I'm I'm aware of the venue, but I've never been. Yeah, it's a pretty small place. I saw the Chili Peppers there on the Mother's Milk tour before they were huge. Yeah, tight. Um, there's there's like there's some stuff that I can I can like recall you talking about, like, uh, like Wargasm. I remember you talking a lot about them when I was younger. Like how wild those shows were. They were. That was crazy. I feel like I've seen shirts for that band. Yeah, what guy is actually from Brockton, Mass. Well, Rich and Barry Spielberg, two Jewish brothers, an amazing drummer. They should have been huge. I don't know why they, they weren't. It must have been bad management. Yet, yeah. from from what I understand, uh, a friend of yours. Uh, like Andy was really tight with them, right? Yeah, he was like the drum tech. Yeah. And drug tech. <laughs> nice. Great pun. This is metal? Wargasm? War- uh, yeah, they were yeah. like a thrash band, right? They were just a, a hardcore metal band. A good song to listen to would be um, Revenge. Yeah, from what, I, I from what I've heard... If if we were gonna put it in like modern day terms, they would be like, like if Power Trip was faster. Okay, tight. I remember Andy Roberts telling me a story about the drummer. He'd sit behind the drummer during the shows, and he said he'd watch him, and he didn't think that what he was doing was even humanly possible. Crazy. We're talking double footwork. We're talking heel toes, probably before heel toes were like really a thing. When I saw, him live, I, I saw him live at the living room, and they opened with Hearts Barracuda, I thought I was in a freaking car accident. Maybe just, the place just... Just shaking. We're just shaking off the hook. as un- Unbelievable. What, what a time it must have been to go to shows before 808 drops in Metalcore. <laughs> like, where they just had to, like, actually boost the bass and not just hit a rubber pad and go... Right. And also, just like I feel like in heavy music, there's a lot of like at least metalcore. Very. There's a lot so. of reliance on like backtracks, like auxiliary guitar tracks, click tracks. Oh, for lots sure. Of tracks. Yeah. The, no the, tracks. The production in modern day music, whether it's DIY or a big like VMAs thing, is very dependent on like a track and being being able to go to shows back then must have been wild where there just wasn't that yeah there, there, right. was, there was some degree of purity back then 80s and 90s metal yeah and just set up in a studio and hit record and just blow it out and you know min, min, minimum post editing yeah cause you're at that point you're still recording to tape so there's there isn't a logic session that you can just like go back to and edit a thousand times. I love the idea of just like plugging into like a mixing board at a show and just like that is all the sounds that are happening because everything is mic because it just needs to be or whatever. And yeah. then you just have like a live album from a show. Yeah. Like that's a cool 
the thing issue to me. the issue with that is you you start to get like sound bleed even yeah. even back then when they would like record stuff they do it i mean there was you know instances of bands recording it all at once but even then it was like a a, a multi-track situation right back to orgasm i loved their whimsical titles of their albums let's hear a couple Rainbows, flowers, kittens, and puppies. Rainbows, okay. flowers, kittens, and puppies. That's sick. Fantastic. Is so. This was like. I'm I'm starting to get a grip on what kind of human beings these guys were. These these were these were the individuals that were doing metal, but were also uh, just had a had a sense of humor. And there's there's a few bands currently that exist. I would say, that still occupy that space. Mm-hmm. Which is, which is fun. That's a fun brand, yeah, for sure. I dig that. I think there's a. It seems like there's a new band called Wargasm too. Uh, I think you're right. UK Wargasm. I'm gonna send. Yeah. I'll hit him with the C and D after this for sure. Yeah, that's good. Thank you for doing that. Thanks yeah. for doing that. For They're us. gonna need that cease and desist. They're gonna need to take it easy over there. Yeah, and you're get, you're gonna be hearing from our lawyer, and you will be you will be, and you will be hearing from our lawyer. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, so I'm trying to like recall other shows. We talked briefly the last time you were on the podcast, uh, 80 episodes ago for 10 minutes about, Mm -hmm. um, the rush show where like they showed up super late and it was like a, it was a riot. Yeah. Then it it tripped like midnight. It was the moving pictures tour, 1980. The Hollywood Sportatorium in Hollywood, Excellent. Florida, which is no longer there, so it was an old speedway. It was out of control for a rush show, and tear gas, riot squads, the whole bit, just crazy. But they had to this look, with Kevin? With my brother Kevin, yep. Kevin, the OG, shouts out. Maybe we'll get him on the podcast if I can get him to sit in one place for over an hour. I doubt it. Rad. Actually, I saw two shows at the Hollywood Sportatorium in 1980. One was Moving Pictures, Rush, and the other was ACDC's Back in Black Tour. What was it like to see ACDC in the 80s before they were crinkly and old? It was out of control. Probably the loudest show I've ever seen. I mean, it actually hurt to be there. I mean, it was that loud. Kind of. I feel like that's like a thing that people used to like care about, was being loud. I still live. care about that. If we're being like, yeah. real. For sure. Remember seeing, uh, like, remember the first show that Northernmost played? Were you there for that? I might have been. The ceiling tiles were falling out of the ceiling. See, I okay, so I don't recall that, but, like, that's sick. And I think there's, like, a level of that to, like, local shows and, like, you know, being, like, supplying the sound system and bringing your amps and being, like, let's play loud, like, and right. just on a small level, but, like... Say you're at, like, you know, like, if you're a touring band. I don't know that there's any touring bands that we listen to who, like, hold themselves to, like, yeah, we play loud. No. Like, that's their reputation yeah. or whatever. You know? No, like, I, I, I like, don't think so. I don't know if that's, like, a if they're just not allowed to get too loud, if there's, like, more ordinances now or something. But, like, I feel like you don't hear that anymore. But, like, like I've, I was reading this book, this little book that Uncle Dave gave me about my bloody valentine them recording um loveless yep 
and um, it was just like they just talked so much about just how loud they played and how they would just do this like noisy feedback section of their show where they would just play like feedback and noise like without trying to sound like anything just loud until they could tell the audience was like really upset by it like they were just like like trying <laughs> to so make people annoying. nauseous like that's such an annoying way to be yeah but yeah, like back yeah, when people cared Cliff Burton from Metallica died uh-huh the first show of the new bass player Jason Newstead was at the Providence Vets Auditorium I was in the front row mm-hmm. and the opening band was Metal Church such a do- such a dope name for a band they opened up yes, with tight. a song called Ton of Bricks and there was literally plastic shaking loose from the ceiling that on their third song they shut the show down and nice. people checking on the ceiling to make sure it was safe for the show to continue that's that's insane that's so when you saw when you saw ACDC was this was this pre uh, Cannons were they doing the Cannons yet it was, the, it was the year before that was 81 Back in Black was 1980. So it, it, the following year is when they started shooting cannons on yeah, stage. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah, I remember the show opened up. which was a big black curtain. And you heard a bell ring. Tight. The curtain opened up. And Brian Johnson was there with a sledgehammer. A long handle sledgehammer. Teeing off on a, a bell the size of the Liberty Bell. And just ringing out. And they, they launched that first song, Hell's Bells. It was amazing. At... Oh, man, yeah, music. Modern day music has kind of lost its theatrics. Back when Angus Young played a, played, played a Gibson SG straight through a Marshall, just on spinal t- just on spinal tap eleven, you know. From what yeah. I un- from what I understand, he still does. There's just a lot more heads. Right. He's got did. <laughs> I saw, I watched a rig rundown on Angus Young's setup, and Homeboy has, uh, I think it was nine Marshall JCM 900s, or JCM 800s, like plexis, like old plexis, all going out to ABY boxes, feeding actual cabinets with speakers, and I'm on stage. Love that. Insane. Seems like a lot. I watched that same video, and I remember thinking, like, this seems like a lot, this setup. But like that's tight that just somebody does that and then he gets to play that loud. Yeah, I think it's I but think it's six actual amps, three backups. Tight. But get clean, no gain. Wild. Just just loud. Just sheer volume. That's cool. all speaker distortion. Yeah. <laughs> Insane. And then since they're all turned up all the way, you just need more for more volume. Right. That's tight. His brother just died, right? Like a couple years yeah, ago. Yeah, Malcolm Young died. Yeah, I think it's mm. time of AC's uh, kind of call it quits. I mean, they're old, right? They're pretty yeah, old. Yeah, they're done now, you're saying? Yeah, I think they're about it's done. It's weird, but like... It's actually put up a new album. It was actually pretty good, though. I watched a couple of the tunes on it. The videos, it was actually oh, pretty yeah. good. Yeah, they're... That's cool. They're getting old. They gotta be, what, in their mid to late 70s? Yeah, they're in their 70s now, yeah. Yeah, they got it. It's interesting to see like what bands decide, hey, nah, we're not that band anymore now that this guy died. Like, like when MCA died, Beastie Boys are no, nah. like Beastie Boys were just done. Mike D, 
yeah they were like no beastie boys is mca so we're not beastie boys anymore and like but then like i don't know rolling stones you know you lose a guy every once in a while (laughs) and they're just on tour still you know know? christ The, the, to describe the Rolling Stones as losing a guy once in a while is kind of an insane <laughs> thing to do. Yeah, some frontmen are just irreplaceable. Yeah, Brad, yeah. Bradley Knoll. Yeah, I Sub- guess frontmen. You know, Brad, yeah. Bradley Knoll from Sublime. They're still on the road. How, how do you continue on without him? You know. Yeah, Rome. You just get Rome. Yeah, Rome. Rolling Stones with Rome. Rome does a good job, but he's not Bradley. Yeah. These are <coughs> words that I don't understand. Um, I don't know anything about the Rolling Stones or Sublime. Um, what was I going to well, say? Well, one guy. Okay, yeah. No, I had, keep, I had keep on trucking. I'm just, I'm just really curious to like. Oh, hey, didn't you say like something exploded at a Judas Priest concert once? No, I saw Judas Priest on the. Um, what toe was that? Or like a like a rat show or something. Yeah, I saw a rat in Providence. Yeah, Judas Priest shows. He during Hellbent for Leather, he comes riding on a Harley Davidson, parks it, lays across the seat, and falls over into the ground. Bang! Crash. <laughs> so he pulls off his on the stage. You're on, saying? on the stage, yeah. So he pulls mm. out his trademark bullwhip and starts whipping the bike. <laughs> comes over. It's kind of funny, but that it. What a great way to recover. Just absolutely bust your ass on stage trying to be badass. One of the wildest things I saw, the band Triumph, the Canadian band Triumph. They told everybody after the show to stick around to the Providence Civic Center, which is now the Dunkin' Donuts Center. They um, they told everybody to stick around. We're going to do a video at the end, so you'll be in the video. It's like, cool. So they kept playing the same song over and over, and every time they get to those climatic part, these flash parts will go up in front of the stage. Boom, 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 and one big in the middle. Boom! And finished up the song. The last time they did it, they must have packed it too good. There was plexiglass from the stage that shed the plexiglass and knocked Rick Emmett over. Laid him right out. Jesus Christ. They got him off the stage in a hurry and the lights went on. Have a good night, everybody. Thanks for staying. Whoa. Was it for him? Do you know what song that was for? Or if they it was for the, ba- it was the video? For, yeah, it was for the song Follow Your Heart. Did they did they end up making that video? Like They did. It's out there. I watched it the other day, actually. Can you like? Can you point yourself? Like, do you think you could find yourself? I did look, but I couldn't find myself. Damn. I was actually another video at the uh, Florida Jam 1983. In in, uh, in um, going to shows in Florida, even though it was in the 80s, Florida was still the fucking wild west. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, probably more so, right? The the show was it opened up with Brian Adams, the Cuts Like a Knife tour. And then Sammy Hagar in the Standing Hampton tour when he was still solo. And then Aerosmith without Joe Perry and the headliner was Journey. And they recorded the whole thing and, and the, the actual official video for Faithfully. I'm in the third row of that video. But yeah, I can't find myself in that video either. That's crazy. This oh. I'm watching the Follow Your Heart one right now and it is such a huge looking show. It's crazy. Yeah, Rick, Rick Emmett was an insanely talented guy, song, a singer-songwriter. Mm. You want to watch a good video of theirs? Uh, look at look up my Magic Power. Okay. Listen to his voice; it's just a golden voice. You know what's kind of crazy? Speaking of singers and replaceability, uh, how about Journey? 
just having like a couple dudes that sound exactly the same a few times. See another one that just keep that, and that's the weird one is when it's the front man, and then it's like, ah, uh, we're still gonna do it actually. Like, I think the crazier part is is they ended up like, as far as I know, they end up having uh, a Filipino kid that literally sings. Like totally very similar. Yeah, Arnel yeah. Arnel Pineda was singing gotcha. in, in a Journey cover band in the Philippines. Of course, they upload all their, their videos, and, right. and Neil Schoen actually saw one and couldn't believe it. Called them up and said, "You know, you gotta come try out." And they sang like one song. And they, they hired and excuse him. me for my lack of Journey knowledge, but the first guy died. Vocal no, surgery. Steve, Steve Perry kind of got fired and left the band. He had health issues. But his voice, voice is amazing. Yeah, I from what I understand, he had uh, like a lot of uh, vocal health issues as well. Had like uh, some polyps, I think. Had to get him removed. I bet the journeys. There was a couple journey shows here a few years ago. Spencer's mom is a big journey fan. Big um, journey fan. I saw them with Ana Pineda um, a few years back. Oh, yeah. I was there too. You were there? I, were you? Yeah, Journey Heart and Cheap Trick. Yeah. Yeah. When was that? Hell yeah, dude. That's right, that's right, that's right. I was maybe in like eighth grade. That's crazy. I feel like I forgot that or didn't. Dude, know that, it was one of the cool. it was one of the wildest things seeing that dude from Cheap Trick play a five net guitar live. And just like That's incredible. Be a showman. He is so good at guitar. Cheap like, Trick is a great live show. If you get a chance to go see Cheap Trick, go. They they is come- Cheap Trick still Original lineup or close enough to like? Yeah, only the drummer has is switched, and it's uh, actually okay. I think Robin Zander's brother is playing drums. But okay. uh, they're a great live band to see. They come on stage with no agenda, and no song list. They don't know what they're gonna That's play sick. until Rick Nelson's the first note. That's awesome. It's kind of sick. I saw them live at the Providence Performing Arts Theater. They came out on stage. They were standing there for a couple of seconds, and um. Robin Zander just said, roll up for the mystery tour. And the place is running nuts. They launched into the mystery tour from the Beatles. No it's way. Crazy. I think actually they did like three or four Beatles songs in a row before they even started playing their own songs. It's wild to just really? open with a bunch of Beatles. If I ever won the lottery, so sick. I'd have a party <laughs> in my backyard and I'd have Cheap Trick play. Yeah. The ultimate party band. Yeah. You know what's funny? I think that my computer is just fully like cognizant of this conversation because when I first typed in Triumph, it came up with the first suggestion was that one song that you said the video is shot in Providence. And then I just typed in Cheap Trick on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And the first result is Magical Mystery Tour. Really? Which, like, yeah. I guess I'm sure that's, like, a cool thing that they do or whatever. But it's funny that that just happens to be, like, the first <laughs> That's uh, so funny. thing up. Dude. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, great band. They didn't take themselves very seriously, but did great music. Yeah. Dad, do you remember the first show you took me to? Was it Three Doors Down? It was. Amazing show. That was a, the quintessential rock show. Dude. I still love those guys. They're great. They're it great, was, great band. Eric, I've told you this lineup a thousand times, and I've definitely mentioned it on this podcast before. The, right. the lineup is Breaking Benjamin Opens. Okay. Yeah. Okay? So yeah. then it's Stained. Good, good show. <laughs> I know the shirt. I know the shirt. He knows the shirt. I wore the shirt. And then All it, the time. then it was three doors down, dude. I can say I saw Breaking Benjamin in two thousand seven. 
That's pretty good. Not many, not many people my age can say that. But that's like when you would want to see them. That's like yeah, that's like Diary of Jane. That's like right then, I think. Diary. I was like trying to think of what's the big one. That's hilarious. I like that they all had a big one of those. That's a, that's a crazy. Sh- that's like the, the like, not really, but like the Weezer Fall Out Boy uh, Green Day tour right now. Oh, uh, super ultra mega. Yeah, it is. hella mega. Okay, so. Uh, Have you seen Rivers Cuomo on this? Yeah, he's got like a mullet. He's playing like a flying V. Yeah, mustache. Like he's just going. F- he he is living his his '80s metal dream right now. Like he is just like I am gonna play an arena tour, and I will look like I'm playing an arena tour. Okay, I just looked it up. Breaking Benjamin Phobia came out in 2006, which is the year before I saw them. Yeah, but that has Diarrhea Jane and like Breathe on it. Which are just absolute rappers of songs. Stain was a good show. I like the, the guitar player. He's got an insane stage presence. Has this signature move that he does where he plays the guitar like two inches off the ground. Yeah, so he, he gets in the, you know the Dave Grohl standing, anybody listening? Yeah. So he does that, but he doesn't have a microphone in front of him. So then he fully arches his back. And uh, bobs up and down whilst the guitar hovers about an inch off the ground. Tight. That's the best way I could describe it. Good stage presence. Great stage presence. I'm listening to Breathe or Breath right now. Yep. I feel like I've definitely seen this video before. Oh, for sure. It's But the thing is, every Break and Benjamin song opens up with a really long scream and then just kind of goes... Bah, 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 bah. Very... Very 2006 butt rock kind of thing. I loved it, though. I still like it. Breaking Benjamin, yeah. like, didn't really miss for a very long time. In my personal opinion. You gotta have stage presence, otherwise you're just poor guy standing on stage, you know? That's true. Yeah, you gotta be pretty good to do that. That's how Offshore Descent figured out we weren't shit. <laughs> it was, that was long before that. Um, Stage presence like Phil Campbell from Motorhead or Jimmy Page. In the classic sense. People like that, like, they have a lot going for them. I mean, granted, right, great guitar player. He's in a really big band. Just people, people are bound to be like, this guy's great. One thing that I think is kind of cool with, like, just talking about, like, old shows and new shows kind of thing that, like, I feel like we only had the tiniest glimpse into this and maybe not even fully. But, like, I remember going to see, like, All Time Low the first couple times. Like, did you say here we go? (laughs) No, I said Um, dude. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, But the first couple times that I or we saw them... um, like so like they weren't super present on social media and like i just remember kind of being like i wonder like what kind of like haircuts they're gonna have or like what their stage production is gonna look like or like what kind of guitars they'll be playing now where now like and that was a really exciting part of like going to a show is to like just physically see what the band looks like at a certain time like oh are they doing like an outfits thing on this tour or is it like you know what I mean? Like that kind of thing. And now it's kind of like when I go to a show now, I know to a T like 
the set list, what, what the stage design yeah. is, what everybody's looking like, guitars they're playing, yeah. amps they're playing. We like we know. Exactly. Yeah. It's like and a mutt is just even like the the Phoebe Bridgers show I'm going to see next month. Mm-hmm. Like so excited. But also like um When is that? You said October 16th. Whoo. Saturday. Whoo. Uh first class on the way there. Got some miles. Killing it, stoked. Absolutely. Um nice little weekend. Yeah, what, uh, Berkeley, what, California. What guitars they're playing? One thing, one thing that drives me crazy is the semi-hollow, big guitars mm. like Kings of Leon. They, they, they Here we just, go. They are just not rock and roll guitars. It, just, it kills me. Sure. It was. It was, it was like. But here's the, the thing: Dave Grohl plays one. I know. It just doesn't look right. It just doesn't look right for for, for a rock band, especially heavy rock band. I would, like the image for, and the sound doesn't for, for, doesn't for jive me, for me for anyway. I would agree. I would agree that maybe not for a metal band. But I think anybody playing like even like hard rock or like I don't know. It's it's I I understand they're like big woofy guitars and they like give you a lot of feedback. But the other guitar that I think was was anti rock and roll looking guitar was the Telecaster, Fender Telecaster. But hard that, disagree. But then I saw Jim Root play one from Slipknot. Okay, I think that's, that's where cool. I think that's where maybe I like it from too. But, yeah, like, my favorite guitar ever right now, and I've written, like, several metal songs on it at this point, is a Jazzmaster with P90s in it. I've actually recently thought about buying a guitar, one that I've wanted for for a long time. What what are we looking at? Gibson Explorer. That's beautiful guitar. Crazy. You were just saying on the last episode. Literally last week, you know what I'm coming around to? Gibson Explorers. It's gonna be a Gibson, though, not an Epiphone. Are you gonna Are you gonna get an old one? Like you're gonna to try to find a hockey stick headstock? No, but, but yo, it has to have a hockey stick. It has. Those guitars were actually designed. Don't get it tangled or twisted, dude. Those Those the Explorer was designed for balance. When When you're holding a, right. a, an Explorer, and it, the, the 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 design of it, the shape of it actually keeps it perfectly balanced from left to right. We thinking. Well, do you think that I know that factoid from you? It could be. You probably do, because I know that from him. Actually, back to cheap trick. I'm like, why? Why does that sound so familiar in my brain? That sentence. <laughs> back to cheap trick. They, when they when they originally first made the Gibson Explorer, they made twenty prototypes. And I think at the time I read it, Rick Nelson from Cheap Trick owned seventeen of them. Wow. <laughs> and th- what an absolute troll move to buy up a bunch of one prototype. And that's like, are you saying th- those those were around before? cheap trick right oh yeah they, they, they came out in the 50s i think that's a yeah it's a 50s yeah, guitar. Okay. okay i love well, like the like a v2 is also like that kind of time but it seems like both those seem way more metal than they, they are, released then at, you like they released the same year the v and the explorer i believe released this exact same year yeah the v and then they were like hey you know what we're done with shapes we right. got all the shapes we're never going to make then, another yeah, shape of guitar. They and then Gibson never made another shape ever again. Hilarious. Kiki Downing, Judas Priest, all these. <clears throat> never saw another guitar. That's such a that's such a position that I've seen a lot of guitar players make over time. Wes Borland too plays West a Borland. plays a what Jackson. Is that uh, only playing like V shaped guitars, flying V's. 
the dudes from Bullet for My Valentine, Wes Borland, like. Uh huh. The bass uh, player for Waves. Does he play a, a V? That's a cool idea. Like playing a V bass. And but so he played one V for like. He was also in a band, like I think the dude's name, but it also might be the name of the band was Jay Retard, but R E A. Um, and um, I'm gonna cut the laughs but, out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but like that dude died, and so then the bass player stopped playing in that band, plays in Waves. So he played that from like mid 2000s until like 2019 winter. And they played like a show in New York or something, I think. And somebody stole that bass. What a fucking dickhead! That was like his bass, like. And then he, they like made posts and stuff like, please like return this, like this just, it's worth way more sentimentally than you're gonna get for it, like money wise, like we'll pay you for it, like just please, let's get this bass back. They and I get... don't think they ever did. <sighs> That's such a bummer. I know. <laughs> What a bummer. Um, right? Stealing gear is whack. That sucks. Speaking of gear, Dad, what what is the first guitar you ever owned? I don't think I know this. Or if I do know this, it's not what I think it is. It was actually a V. Was it? That red V? Remember? The Harmony? Or the, what is that? No, the, no, the red the, and white one? I think it was a court. Interesting. The first guitar was a Kramer, a black Kramer. Yeah, I'm talking very first guitar you ever owned. Yeah, the bl- black black Kramer. That's exactly what I thought. The hockey it was. stick heads, the hockey stick neck. Is that the one in the nice case that we didn't play because maybe we weren't allowed to play maybe. that one? I think it was broken. I think it's bro- I think it's been uh, broken since 1990. The best legend I had was the the uh, Ibanez, the wood green Ibanez. That was a nice guitar. Yeah, we never really played that one either. We got a lot of mileage out of the upside down headstock Jackson. I love that guitar. Got a lot of mileage out of that. Yeah, I bought it for like 150 bucks at Guitar Center. Yeah, great guitar. Played awful. Hurt my fingers. But I just, so many memories buried into that thing. Even Eric. Eric definitely remembers the red upside down headstock Jackson. Of course. That like lived in my bedroom for a while. It was a great guitar. Yeah. Still have it. Do you? We should have changed the strings on it more often, I think. I can only imagine playing it with, like, rusty-as-hell strings, but... I think that's a symptom of living in a basement. Yeah. Even now, like, in my apartment, I have to... If I want, like, good strings, I have to change them, like, every, like, two months. Mm -hmm. And I don't even play that much guitar. I even need to change some bass strings soon. Oh, that's a hassle. You want to talk about a hassle? Hmm. There's like, for some reason, on I'm not gonna be able to get this close enough to the camera. I don't think. Probably but, not. Nah, no way you're gonna see it. But uh, right on this fret, on the seventh fret, on the E string, there's a little. Maybe you can see it oh, right it like there. There's like, like a dent. Yeah, it's like it got like pushed, like oh, too the, the, hard. The wound around it. Yeah. So now it's like. Like the seventh fret kind of doesn't work because it's like touching wood. Oh, because it's a string. Because like it's a bro- it's a fucked up string. Yeah. So that bass is sick. Right. I don't know if you know about this bass. Uh, Eric was gonna be in a band and needed a bass, so I got him a bass for like 
uh, Christmas. Nice square. It's a it's a Mustang. Bronco. Or it's a yeah, it's it's a Bronco with it has a it's a short scale length. It's like a thirty inch scale base nice. instead of like your regular thirty two or thirty four. Thing's sick. And then Will in my band, he had a Bronco base or still has a Bronco base. His is his is kind of like he's modded it a little bit. So uh, he put a and because it, it comes with that like Telecast or the the uh, Strat pickup for some reason, the Strat yeah. guitar pickup. So the poles are all out of whack. So the the output on different strings is different. So what Will did on his bass is uh, he took a hot rail, you know. It's an EMG, right? Or a Duncan hot rail? Yeah, Duncan. And um, so, yeah, it's the. I guess you can't really see because they're black, but it's, you know, the rails. So it's even output across the strings. Um, and then so he had another one, so he gave me that. And then on his, too, he has, like, ra- uh, I forget what they're called. It's, like, not round wound or it's not flat, flat wound. It's, like. No, because it's like in between normal. Maybe it is round wound. It's like yeah, it's like half or like square like a, wound or something like that. Yeah, it's like some combo deal kind of like medium output kind of string. Dog that's shit. Like a, it, I love it. It's like Dog sort shit. of dead sounding, but like it's like it kind of puts it right where like you know that tone that we're kind of we were kind of describing last week where it's like not full sub, but not super spanky. Like, so it's kind of right in the middle, and I dig that. But I guess he bought them by accident and, like, doesn't really know how to get them or something. So now I, I can't acquire them or have not yet. Um, Yeah. So I was I was going to get into my, my dad's and then, in turn, my musical journey, mm-hmm. I think. What? Yeah, like, what are your earliest memories of, like, wanting to play guitar? Because my earliest memories of wanting to play guitar are wanting to play guitar because you were doing it. Rick Emmett, <clears throat> Rick Emmett from Triumph. There like it the is. The Allied Forces album, and I just... He played a double-neck SG on stage. I want to do that. I feel like that's that's a lot of people's origin stories with guitar. I... I feel like I'm unique in the way that the reason that I wanted to play guitar was because there were people around me playing guitar. I wonder where I'm at on that. Like, I it's, guess it's like, gotta be Dave, Uncle right? Dave was playing. Yeah. But I think, I think that was like the original kind of like, okay, sure. Like that's something that I can do and here's some access to that. Like before I'd actually really formed an interest on it in it on my own. And then, uh, like that's when I started playing guitar and then right. it kind of took took it upon myself years later to like where I was really hit with oh I'm listening to this sort of music now now I really want to play that like you know yeah. what I mean I remember having an interest in wanting to play mm-hmm. learning a little bit and then not being like pushed to play until you and I started hanging out Right. Yeah. Same. So yeah, and then same. It, it was just like this weird, like, like micro competition thing where we both got each other like a little bit, like we That's both very funny. We both got each other like passively good at guitar. Yeah. Just like, oh, he can play that riff now. Hmm. Okay. I guess I'm gonna learn that too. 
I still to this day am very impressed by the fact that you learned how to play uh, Blackbird. Oh, okay. I I have never looked that up, nor have I ever tried to play it, just because uh-huh. I don't ever want to take the time to learn how to finger pick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the most finger picking I can do. I thought you were also going to say the Never Shout Never song. I remember you said like Big City Dreams. You were like, you're not going to be able to fin- figure out that strumming. You don't. You can't strum that good. <laughs> and then I was like, oh yeah, okay, I'll do it. Um. Yeah, I remember. Like, there's like a couple big things in my musical past that really have a lot to do with, like, just being around my dad doing music stuff. Like, mm-hmm. drop D, dude. Drums. You want to talk about how I started playing drums? Andrew, play this on drums, dude. My my dad just goes out and buys a drum set. Mm-hmm. Now I play drums. Also sort of a bit of reverse engineering. Typically that's a kid begging and not getting a drum set for a long time. Yeah, I don't... Do you remember that? Do you remember why you got a drum set? Like, for any particular reason? Like... I just wanted one. And then had the money, so I bought it. There it is. And that's that's the blue drum set that I played for like years. Mm-hmm. That color is why you know the new um, Jay Mascus signature. Yeah, jelly? the one that's way that's too why expensive. Yeah, that one. That's why it's that like sparkly blue because he said it was like drum set colored. That's so funny. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But yeah, my dad just buying a drum set is the reason that I played drums, which is insane to think about. Like, it was so weird how I gravitated towards them and just like started playing a lot. Right. And I and I got to think that there's no way that that wasn't annoying, right? Like, it had to be really annoying to listen to me play drums constantly. Yay, nay, Jeff Marshall? Not really. I mean, I used to it. Really? Yeah. Me just... B- That's cool. I'd lose my mind. Um, <laughs> I'm currently... When the drums were at my house, it was a lot less uh, accepted. Yeah, it no. It, w- it was like... You that had was to- really difficult. Yeah, you had to play them lightly. I had to like clear it like a few days ahead kind of deal. Like That kind of sucked. My dad is bringing up videos of me with a straight... Lego haircut playing an acoustic guitar. Sick. This is incredible. I like that the videos are on hand. When are these from? Um, Dad, when do you think this is? 2005, 2006? You got, uh, me- you got metadata on these? Oh, five. Oh, five. Fifth grade. Whoa. That was... By the way that my arm was moving and my fingers were positioned, I know that technique anywhere and that is I've been playing guitar for a week I think the first time the first time I ever picked up a guitar that I remember and you being like okay learn it then was like when you lived in the apartment 
right on the split on Norton Ave. Mm. And um, I forget what guitar it was. It wasn't this. It wasn't this Washburn behind me. No, I think it was that red guitar. I forget what it was. It was, it was a JG, junior. JG Jr.? Yeah, it was just... Yes, a, exactly. How do you know that? How do you have that one off the top of the... How do you have the one off the just dome? Boom. Boom. That's like a... That's a... A a cheap guitar brand that no longer exists. That was the only one I ever saw. I played that for years. I played that yeah. well into high school. Put a lot of medical tape on it eventually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ripped the paint off. Ruined it. Kids, Kids saw I, 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 never, I never liked that guitar. That's why I bought the um, Takamini over there. Washburn. What, the Washburn, sorry. You did, Takamini was... you did buy a Takamini, though. I didn't hate it. The action was so high. I just absolutely hated it. Talk, yeah, Takamini was dog shit. Uh, the Washburn... The Washburn's the keeper. The Washburn has like low action, kind of yeah, like, an electric, like an electric guitar, in a way. Yeah. I remember playing that, and that one was kind of the upstairs living room guitar. Yeah, that yes. one was kind of like a, yeah, like uh, boys, go play those other ones. And then I remember there was one time that we were playing it downstairs, and then um, I got scared about some ghost thing. So then I was running up the stairs with the washburn in hand Awful when you and Jen came idea. home, and then <laughs> just never run grab this it. guitar out of my hand. I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll yeah, take that. My bad. Yeah, you had a really bad problem with, like, running around and dropping and breaking shit when you were younger. But I didn't break that. I did not break no, that. No, you didn't. was a safe You didn't occurrence. break that. And uh, there's actually, it's it's right here. It's behind us. I can see yeah. it. It's in, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's yeah I put some strings on it. Kara played it for a while. Yeah. I One of the things that I hate the most in this world is restringing an acoustic guitar. Uh, guitars in general, I hated it, but I... Uh, I had a thing about having clean strings, new strings. Yeah. There is real no better feeling than fresh guitar strings. Maybe followed close, a close second, clean bass strings. Clean bass strings sound so wildly different than dirty bass strings. Right. Just at, like after a week, like I guess that's with guitar strings too, but then you leave your bass strings on for like six years after that exactly so just like 100 percent of the time you are playing a bass with dead strings and then like yeah it's weird because guitar you're like you know what it's supposed to sound like and you want that high end and you're like you change them every few months or something but like it's really always so surprising what what fresh bass strings sound like to me i'm trying to think of like more more like before my time questions can you think of any standout moments from like shows and stuff from from your like your your twenties thirties? Oh, there's so many. Motorhead. Yeah, what was it? That's a good one. What was it like to see Motorhead live? Another insanely loud band. I can only same imagine. thing. Mostly loud, pretty clean. Lemmy actually played through guitar amps. Phil Campbell, just a great, great show. R.I.P. Yeah, rest in peace, Lemmy. R.I.P. Lemmy. We are Motorhead and we play rock and roll. I agree. Just love that when they open the shows with. We are Motorhead and we play rock and roll. And you think about it, it was just like basic 50s rock and roll, you know, but just done a little Fast. differently. Just. It was to a distance there, too. Like, I've said say, it a million times in 
this might just be the the millennial in me, but for whatever reason, Motorhead just every Motorhead song sounds like Ace of Spades to me. They all sound like Ace of Spades. You've definitely said this. No, one of my favorite songs. My favorite song in Motorhead was "Going to Brazil." Yeah, check that out. There was Phil Campbell, amazing guitar player, amazing stage presence. What was the Motorhead song that was in Skate? I wanted it to be Ace of Spades, but it never was. Really? I would have assumed it was. I, I couldn't tell you. No, I, be, I think they couldn't get the rights for it because it was already in Tony Hawk. Oh, oh. I don't know. Let's look this up. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm not sure that was. Dead air. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Then. Okay, I, it's I, fine. I don't know which one it was. Um, I'm listening to Going to Brazil now, though. The, the live one? Yeah, it is like rock and roll music. Um, I'm trying to think of it, like every everything that I've. Okay, here's here's an interesting one. So, you you're a big fan of Rush, right? You would say that you're a pretty, oh, yes. you're a pretty oh, big Rush fan. Where do you fall on the rest of the prog music that was happening at the time? Boring, or like kind of? No, it was a bit different. I mean. Genesis was okay. Who else? Prog. It's like yes. Yeah, yes. They they were okay. Red Rush kind of set the bar for prog, I believe. They really did. Uh, Rush to this day still stands on its own. I think. Um. Yeah, quite a body of work, you know. <laughs> I had prior to one of those day. that you don't need to be a prog guy to be into. Right. Exactly. Kind of their. Genre transcendent. This sounds like reading a book, you know. I thought it was based on books, but somehow they made it cool. Hmm. Yeah, this is this was insane to to be able to to be able to finally get this episode out of the way is is kind of nuts, wouldn't you say? It's a good time. It's a good yeah. It's it's one 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 that's been on the list. This is having for a minute. Having Jeff Marshall as a guest was like a, a day one idea. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Oh, we could close out with our with the Marshall Rock story. Oh yeah. The First, r- let's describe this thing. Right? So it is a Marshall amplification kind of like foam rock. Um. This would be on display above, like Marshall amps. At a mm-hmm. music store. That's where it came sure. from. <clears throat> and then and then here goes the story. It came from Rick's Music World in, in Rainham. Mm-hmm. I anyway, they used to go in all the time to look at the guitars and put up a new display for Marshall Amps with that rock above it. I, I got to have that. So like I said, how much for that? And he goes, which one? I said, no, the rock. The rock. You, you want a guitar? You want the rock? I said, yeah, I want the rock. So why do you want to test him? Man, he's Marshall. Well, that makes sense. And that was when eBay had just came out. Because mm. eBay was very, very new, and he was trying to get his eBay account off the ground for his store. He said, I'll tell you what, I'll give it to you for 50 bucks. Just go on eBay and give me a great review. Mm. You got it, man. He said, but you can't have another couple of months until the sale's over. Perfect. And when I went in, I was so proud of it. I was so psyched enough to store that rock in my arm. Had it ever since. That's sick. 
About 20 years now. I remember when you got it. I'm It's still 20, in like fantastic condition for I'm like 26 a years old. Display item. You got that rock when you lived in the apartment. But yeah. So I would say you've had that rock anywhere from 15 to 17 years. Probably pretty accurate. I remember when, how psyched you were when you got it too and I was like this thing's sick. It's it's a very cool piece for sure. When I, when, I, when I cash out, you're going to have it. It has a, it has a it hanger on the back, right? Yeah. Like like a, like a you can hang it like a picture frame? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's so dope. Um, Yeah, well, that's that's about it. Uh, maybe you'll have a cameo from, from Jeff Marshall on the movie podcast. Who knows? They were talking a lot of yeah. Hitchcock earlier before we got on the mic. Yeah, we'll just we'll just steal that. We'll snag that. Yeah, I will entertain a Hitchcock conversation anytime. Okay, cool. And read read, read my document. Yeah, yeah. Any, no, I'm going to anybody who wants the uh, the Hitchcock PDF, hit me up, DM me. Uh, my dad's got a PDF. It's like a watch guide. It's like a little treasure treasure trove of knowledge. Every, every, everything Hitchcock. Yeah, plug your uh, uh, plug everything you want to plug right now. Like, uh, like you got a YouTube channel? Yeah, check out JM Moving Pictures. My YouTube channel, all drone videos, all drone, all 4K, all 4K nice. drone flyovers. A lot of forests, a lot of statues. My name, my YouTube channel actually references Hitchcock and Rush. The same fell swoop. Of course, Rush had an mm. album called Moving Pictures, and Hitchcock. Holy moly. Early Hitchcock cinema, Hitchcock called them moving pictures. Killer. Absolutely killer. Hitchcock did green screen before anybody else did, and that's one of the most insane things to see. Hitchcock did everything first. But you heard it here first, That's folks. another discussion. You heard it here, folks. Uh, we'll have you back on to like talk about a specific band, because I think there's like some deep dives on... Oh, certain certainly. artists that I'd I'd like to I'd like to hear your opinions on. Oh, real quick before we sign off, uh, mid two thousands British festival rock. Your feelings on the situation? <laughs> what is it? Sorry, mid two thousands British festival rock. You like uh... BDI? I know your feelings on the situation. Uh, you hate it. You actually used to say that you just hated the stuff, and I always thought it was really funny. Yeah, it would always be like just like three dudes, uh, all with acoustic guitars, stomping on the stage really hard, and you would just walk in and say, "What is this garbage?" <laughs> and it was a highlight to my teens. Funny. Uh, yeah, that's it. Been signing off for like twenty minutes now. This has been the Nobody's Listening to the Music Podcast. I've been Andrew. I've been Eric. And that's been my dad. All right, thanks for having me. See you later. <laughs>